pleasing you, being productive in every good work. Really, God just wants us to, there's something that yearns on the inside. You know, that, that guilt and shame comes because we compromise our life, and then the enemy begins to beat us over the head and tell us and show us, well, you're not holy. You don't even think about being holy. That's, you know, and so he tries to get us to compromise, but something in the born-again human spirit longs for holiness because you've been redeemed. You've been sanctified. In God's mind, you've already been washed and cleansed. He said, just work out your sanctification. Work those things out with fear and trembling, with a reverence of God. As you carry through your new birth, clear to the end, what is it? Becoming like him. Amen. It's your highest calling. My highest calling is to become like him. Wait a minute. I want to know what my calling is. Am I an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher? What's my calling? Our calling, our highest calling is to become like him. More and more like him. That's what he died for. So sin could be washed away. And we could realize truly in, in clarity what it means to be a son of God, a daughter of God, offspring of God himself, unhindered by sin, the bonds broken off, free to be who we were created to be in relationship with God. Amen. Holy. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we don't want to look at that lightly. And come and reverence God, the, the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Praise the Lord. And wisdom, the wisdom of God, gets us everywhere we need to go. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, good evening. Good evening. I believe God, uh, man, there's just good, good things. Good, good things. Amen. Good, good things. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. just want to remind you of a couple of things. Um, continue to pray uh, for our team that's in Peru. As you think about it throughout the day, uh, pray for them. Also, if you haven't yet, sign up for uh, Suppers for Six uh, for November. It's a great time. Uh, as we said this morning, we had an awesome time. We got to, uh, in our group, uh, get with some folks that we'd wanted to get with. We didn't know very well, get to know them better. And then we were also with someone that we've, uh, has been a part of the church, we've hung out with for a long time, found out things we never even knew about them. And so it's a great time of getting together and fellowshipping. Thank, thank everybody who's hosting uh, for opening up your home. Uh, but sign up for that. I believe it's going to, we'll, we'll continue to see it uh, even more and more throughout the upcoming year. But it's a great time to get to know each other sometimes. You know, we have two services. That was one of the things that, you know, uh, people were talking about in our group is like, wow, I, which service do you go to? Where do you sit? And uh, if you don't somehow come out in the middle, but I, I, I'll bet you that uh, they see each other now because we had dinner together. We broke bread together. And so a person they didn't know coming and going, they'll catch out of the corner of the eye and stop and, and fellowship. Right? or coming and going between services. So many times, because of that, we don't see that. So it's a great opportunity to get together, start fellowshipping with some people, and then you get to know them. And then, then you're, more, uh, you're more aware when they're coming and going and, and passing instead of just, I don't know them. And uh, so many times, people get together and go, wow, I didn't even know you went to church here. Which service do you go to? And so we don't want that. We're a, we're a, a, a local church body. We, we are together. So I encourage you to sign up uh, for that. It will be awesome. Praise the Lord. And um, let's see. There was something else, but 
Glory to God. Well, we want to receive the, morning, uh, the evening tithes and offerings. If you weren't here this morning or prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, we want to give you an opportunity to give. You make it out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, raise your hand. That's just to give you an envelope. If you're giving by text, it's up there. If you're giving online, you can go to the website, go to the Give button. We, we appreciate uh, your generosity, your giving. Praise the Lord. It, it, it fuels up. I mean, on Sunday night, we're able to just express this to you, I guess, over and over and over again because things are going so well. But today in the jail ministry, three men gave their heart to Jesus today. And seven rededicated their life to the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, though they might be incarcerated, the sun set them free. Amen. And so uh, we're trusting that uh, as they are uh, in there and they're discipled, that they'll get a firm enough foundation, get plugged into a church when they get out, their life will never be the same again. But we know their eternity will not. Amen? And so things like that, extended table outreach on Tuesday night. Uh, they're at the Methodist Church. We're involved in that, youth ministry, children's ministry, missions, different things that are going on. Uh, praise the Lord. You're, you're a part of that, and we appreciate your giving uh, so much. Amen. We ready? Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we have to give. Father, that divine exchange, we thank you for each one as they give tonight. The blessing of God comes upon them and overtakes them. The blessings of your word are true. We thank you for that. We command it upon them that you supply every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, on Sunday night, we're talking about the spirit within, this life within. And 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says this. Many of you know this. Certainly, if you come to church here, you drive uh, by in right next to a sign. Any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. And now everything is of God. Say that with me. Now everything is of God. Say it again, now everything is of God. When you got born again, the old man passed away and a new man emerged. And everything concerning the new man is of God. Goes on to say, who has reconciled us to himself? So by the blood of Jesus, we were foreigners and strangers by sin, but by the blood of Jesus, the power of sin was broken, and God drew us near to himself. In fact, he drew us into himself. We're in him, and he's in us. And so now things can't stay the same as they were because we've been engrafted into Christ. So Jesus said this. He said in John, the 15th chapter, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Any branch in me that does not produce fruit will be cut off and thrown into the fire. Why? Because it's so important. If you realize that you've been engrafted into the very life of Jesus, it should produce a different kind of life and a different quality of life. We're not just struggling to get by and to get to heaven. We got engrafted into that very life right now. So what was unproductive concerning eternity before Jesus now becomes very productive. And the very life of the vine flows through us. His very life flows through us. 
that when you were born again, the Spirit of God came on the inside of you, that divine relationship spirit to spirit, the Holy Spirit in your spirit when you got born again. Now, I know this sounds very elementary, but we have believers, Christians all over, struggling to produce this new kind of life in a fullness. We concentrate on one part or another and just try to, to get over one part or another, but he really says, this is the fullness of my life that you've entered into. So he's given us that ministry of reconciliation, that is to tell others that God's not holding their trespasses against them, but he sent Jesus to die for them. That he, he's called us to be ambassadors of Christ. Well, how do we do that? Well, we just go tell somebody you need to get saved. Well, no, we represent, an ambassador represents Christ. So his highest desire is that we represent him not just in word, but in our life, in our conduct, in our reflection of who he is. When we begin to understand the new creation in a greater measure, which I believe God's going to pull some things back. I believe, as, as we said this morning, if you'll begin to pray for wisdom and revelation, he's going to pull back a layer. We know these scriptures. If you're not careful, you just go, I know that. You'll shut off and, and wonder what's on TV tonight. You'll start thinking about dinner, or you'll say, okay, God, I want to dig deeper. He wants to pull back. Well, I know I have this new life in Christ. But if we begin to look in the mirror and say, you know what, but I'm not truly living that and I don't know how that's going to happen, God wants to reveal that in you because he wants to take that struggle away and cause us to realize that what we're unable to do, the grace of God empowers us to do. And there's a shift coming to understand the grace or the empowerment of God or the ability of the Holy Spirit where in the past we came, had a big move of grace that now you can do whatever you want. You don't have to figure, you know, try to do anything or do any works at all because grace just covers it. People just fell into sin saying I can do whatever. And they, they found out now I've, I fell into that. Now I have no power in my life except for to live how I used to live. Many People fell back into immorality, sexual immorality. They fell back into drugs, fell back into alcohol, simply because they thought, well, grace covers it. It doesn't matter. And the way we are is we just think, well, if it doesn't matter, I'll just do whatever I want. Or we get legalistic and say, look at what I can do of my own strength. But God says, I don't want you to get over here in works of your own. But I also, on your own, you'll just go into sin. I've come into your life that together there is power to overcome sin. That in union with Christ, in oneness with Christ, there is the life of Christ. Thank you for your enthusiasm. There is the life of Christ. Hallelujah. There's the life of Christ. So it's not something afar off somewhere. It's not like, wow, that, that, that's just unattainable. See, that's what we've tried to do. The, you know, so many times we, don't, we think, well, we're not conformed to the world because I don't drink, smoke, and cuss, you know. But he was more concerned about thoughts and ideologies and things of the world and that idea of the world that, you know what, just keep lowering the standard, keep lowering the bar was a spiritual thing because when you start talking to people about Christ and the life of Christ and he died for us to attain the life of Christ, all of a sudden uh, people are just going like, oh my God, no way, no way. But if Christ is not our standard, 
If the life of Christ is not our standard, then how are we going to live? And yes, for our old nature, there's no way. But in him, the reality of being in him. And Jesus says there in John 15 that that life, knowing that that life is in you, it'll produce much fruit. And that fruit will glorify God. Amen. So turn over to um, uh, Galatians chapter 5. This is where we've been, Galatians chapter 5. Just spend a little bit, a little bit of time here uh, this evening. Galatians chapter 5. We've covered a number of things about what the scripture says, living in the spirit. But uh, this spiritual life, this fruitfulness that he talks about, Galatians, the fifth chapter, starting in the 16th verse, Paul says this to the Galatian church. He's talking about their freedom that they have in Jesus. And then he says, but do not use your freedom as an occasion to your flesh. Talks about the flesh. We went to Romans 8. We went to a, a couple of different things uh, concerning the flesh and the spirit. But he's, he comes to this to tell them, I say then, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Then he goes on to talk about the flesh, the works of the flesh. We need to pay attention to that. So what's he saying? He's saying that when you enter in, just as Paul said, when you enter into salvation, if you're not careful, you'll come to believe that there is a power struggle on the inside of you. A struggle against your flesh and against the spirit of God in your spirit. He said, but if you make a decision, if I make a decision to yield to the lordship of the Holy Spirit in our life, there will no longer be a power struggle, but there will be a power union that overcomes the flesh. Right? So you can either struggle and say, I'm born again, but I struggle against the power of my flesh, my old nature daily, or you can say, I'm going to set the flesh aside. I'm going to embrace the lordship of the Holy Spirit. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh or the desires of my flesh. And so we just have to let that sink in a little bit. Again, to highlight this, to go back to this and say, you know what? God, I want to be over the struggle. I want to live this new life that you called me to live. I don't want to compromise it. I want to know the fullness of that. I want to know how to be led by the Spirit of God so the flesh doesn't control my life. I believe he's going to peel that back, give, give us revelation, give you revelation concerning those things in your life. Because the enemy is subtle. You know, there's that place where we have to know, so we take authority. We say, man, I'm born again. I have a newness of life. And we're excited about it. But then he, he weasels his way in subtly and goes, yeah, and that's okay. But you know. It'll be okay. I mean, look at others. Look what they get away with. They don't seem to be any worse for wear. But God wants to deal with you personally. He wants to deal with me personally. He says, listen, if you want to be all that I created you to be, then yield to my lordship. And we'll start a transformation process that will take you from glory to glory. 
glory to glory, not trouble to trouble, not anxiety to anxiety, not tragedy to tragedy, but glory to glory. Even as by the Spirit of God, as by the Spirit of God. Not our own works, not our own strength, but as by the Spirit of God. So he goes on to say this in where we've been, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, this just takes us back to what Jesus said. I'm the vine, you're the branches. A branch in me that produces fruit glorifies God. So for so long, you know, we read the scripture. He says, if you're in me, you bear much fruit. We're thinking about souls being saved. That would be fruitfulness. And and that's true, but that really comes to greater fruition after we see the fruit of new life. The produce of the Holy Spirit in our spirit. The produce of the Holy Spirit being able to transform us into who we are now new creations to be. And the only way that that can happen, he won't usurp over you. The only way that can happen is that we actually bow our knee and say, you are Lord, you're the master of my decision-making. You're the master of my actions. You're the master of my thought processes. You're the master of my speaking. Well, now, how does that happen? How can he be the master of that? Because we start giving more attention to him, give more attention to the word. He teaches us of the word, and then we begin to say something we ought not to say, and there's something on the inside. When he's Lord that says, now come on, you don't want to say that. So the fruit of the Spirit, we'll just get back to this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and we've gone through all of that. So we've arrived at probably the least talked about fruit of the Spirit that I've ever heard. You just have to come to the conclusion. I mean, when you hear people talk about spiritual things, oh, patience, love, peace, joy. Hardly ever hear about self-control. Self-control. One of the most underrated fruit of the Spirit, yet one of the most critical. One of the most critical. And I believe, you know, just by thinking about it, just by praying about it, I think that one of the reasons that it's the least talked about is because we're afraid of that place of works of the flesh. But this isn't a work of the flesh. It's a working of the Holy Spirit in you. And because he won't simply override your will, he has to work with you so that through him you are willing to say no. He needs our will. And so the more we get to know him, the more that life develops, right? So Jesus was a great example of this. He said, I don't say anything I don't hear the Father say, and I don't do anything I don't hear the Father or see the Father do. 
Now listen, Jesus, if anybody had an opportunity to be angry and say something he shouldn't say, or we would actually say he had every right to say, but he didn't say, because had he said it, we'd all probably be lost to this day. (laughs) But because the Holy Spirit said, don't say that, say this. He kept truth. He wasn't led by his emotions. He was led by the Spirit of God into how he conducted his life, even when there was temptation. He was tempted in every single point, like as you and I are, yet without sin. How in the world did that happen? Well, he didn't have any sin to start with. Neither did Adam. But Jesus yielded over not to his own will, but to the will of the Father. And when he did, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the will of the Father. Just like you and I, when we learn more how to yield over to the Holy Spirit, we will just from that place begin to yield and do the will of the Father. Say what the Father has for us to say. Do what that Father has for us to do. And we'll do it from a resource of the love, the joy, the peace, the goodness. But all that stuff that we like and seems to be like, ooh, just love. If everybody could just love and have joy and peace, that would be awesome. But it won't happen without self-control. Why? Because the enemy will come and pull you away from loving people. And he'll pull you away from having joy. He'll steal your joy. He'll trample all over your peace. He'll pull you into places and decision-making that all of a sudden after you make that decision on your own because it looks great, you'll be weighed down with anxiety of whether it's going to turn out or not because you're not confident it was him. It was you that made the decision, and now, oh, my God, is it going to work out? But when you know that he led you into that place, there's peace no matter what it looks like. So this is an incredibly powerful portion of Scripture. Turn over to 2 Peter for a moment, 2 Peter chapter 1. There's really a, there's so much to this. I I need to try to figure out how I'm going to break this down here real quick. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Paul here, he begins, or Peter begins by talking about everything that pertains to life and godliness being given to us through the knowledge of him. And he's called us by his glory and his virtue, right? And so he says, for, for, uh, by this verse four, he says, by which have been given to us exceedingly regret and precious promises that through these promises, you might become partakers of the divine nature. The promise of God, every promise of God has its yes and its so be it in Christ. In Christ, in partaking of Christ, we now begin to partake of the divine nature. We're engrafted into Christ. He's the vine. We're the branches. His very life is in us. We are partaking of the divine nature. We're born again. We're no longer partaking of the sin nature, but we are made to partake of the divine nature. And when we partake of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption or the decay that is in the world through lusts, inordinate desires, our own 
desires. He said, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Or within your faith in what Jesus Christ has done to you, find virtue, find moral excellence. Jesus died so that you could no longer be bound by sin, but you could find a moral excellence. He said, and in that moral excellence, you'll find the knowledge, greater knowledge of God. And in that, you'll find self-control. And in and through self-control, there's a perseverance. We push in. From that perseverance, we find godliness. And godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. If these things are yours and abound, you're neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he who lacks these things is short-sighted even unto blindness and forgets that he was cleansed from his past sin, which means if you forget that you were cleansed from your sin, you forget that you're joined to Christ and you lean back on the old nature, not the divine nature. So self-control is a big part of that. Praise the Lord. So why? Why why is it a big deal to have self-control? Well, turn back to Ephesians chapter 2. We were there this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. He says, and you he made alive. Say, he made me alive. Who are dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves, we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. So self-control is important. Why? Because we are used to fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind. Before you were born again, you were used to fulfilling that. Now, I know most people go, I wasn't fulfilled. I didn't get anything I really wanted. Well, that's not true. The Bible says right here, your flesh was getting what it wanted. Sometimes you thought, well, it was negative, but you were getting sympathy. Instead of getting up off, off the mat, you know, and, and having, you just laid there and you, you relished in the sympathy. Your flesh was loving it. Right, there's a number of ways that your flesh gets what it desires. And most of it's not good because the flesh is leading to death. It's leading to death. Turn over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Why is self-control important? Because if, if we don't have self-control, the lusts of our flesh and the lusts of our mind will control us. James chapter 1, verse 12 He says this, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to those who love him. Let no one say, somebody say no one. No one one would mean no one. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. You ever heard anyone talk about how God tempted him with evil? Destruction? Well, God was just testing me with that. God's not in that. See, right there, we just get our understanding, our scriptural understanding. Sounds so religious. Well, God was there tempting me into that. God put that there in my life to just te- Well, God doesn't tempt people with evil. But 
Each one, somebody say each one, is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. His own desires. So listen, you know, when we look at the 37th Psalm, we say, uh, he that delights in the Lord, he'll give him the desires of his heart. So we've just taken that to whatever my desire is, God wants to give it to me. No, when you delight yourself in the Lord, the Lord will begin to show you his desires and they'll become your desires. And therefore, they'll be fulfilled. But he says right here, your own desires coming from your flesh is a place where the enemy will draw you away from God. And those desires conceived, when they're conceived, they give birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creation. God didn't want us pulled away from him. He drew us near, and he brought us forth into the new birth. So listen, it says, listen, our own desires, the lusts of our flesh, the desires of our flesh and of our mind, our own desires, is where the enemy begins to work and draw us away from God instead of to God. And so your desires, my desires, become strong. He's delivered us from the corruption that comes from lusts or from evil desires. And so this self-control is the working of the Spirit of God in our spirit to override desire earthly desire. Well, I just want to do that. Well, sure you do. Are you telling me I can't do that? Well, no, nobody can tell you that, but the Holy Spirit can when he's Lord. And all of a sudden legalism comes out of it because now it's relationship, truly relationship with the Holy Spirit. If I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and he's Lord, can he tell me what I should do and not do? Can he direct my life? Well, if he's Lord, he can. And it's a divine relationship. It's not a law. It's not legalism. It's relationship with the one who knows how I was created and wants to bring out the best or produce the best from within me and the best from that relationship. And he's the only one that knows what the best fruit of that relationship is. And so he's leading and guiding us. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Come on, there's an outsource of supernatural power that will come as we begin to recognize and realize uh, these truths. All of us. Because there's not one person here that's not hindered by your own desires. We all once conducted our lives that way. Now you say, no, I've learned to not give place to them. Praise the Lord, that's what we're looking for. But it doesn't mean they still won't come. Temptation won't come. And see, we've put temptation at this high thing, but it's just a temptation. We listen to the world, you know. They have a, there's a song. I don't know what it is, but my wife and I have controversy over this song a lot, if it ever comes on. Just say what you need to say. Just say what you need to say. Just say what you need. Don't say what you need to say. Say what you ought to say. Well, just listen to me. I need to say this. No, don't say that because if it's connected with your heart, it's going to bring something bad. Control. Well, I can't control it. I need to say it. Yes, you can control it, especially if it's not the right thing to say. No, you can't control it, but the Holy Spirit in you 
is giving you the power to control it. But we've been formed into the world's mold. Everyone should get to say whatever they want to say. Just say whatever you want to say. Well, no. I just can't help it. I just can't. I got to do that. I just can't. I can't help it. Well, no, you can't help it in your old flat. But the Holy Spirit can help you help it. Can help me help it. So Paul said this, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. The apostle Paul said this who had this revelation of the ages, right? And so if he had to do this, I'm assuming that we would have to do it, and probably without the full revelation that he had, more difficult for us. <laughs> but yet he wants us to know it. That's why he gave us the revelation. So he said this. He said, but I discipline my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. He said, now listen, the temptation to preach and then just to say, well, you know, when I was under the anointing, it was this way. But now I'm just a regular person like everybody else. Well, there's some truth to that when the anointing comes on you. God leads you in areas. The power of God's there. But Paul said, lest I become a castaway after I've preached under the anointing, then I, meaning the real me, the spirit man in me, must discipline my body to not just give way to its own desires after we preach the gospel. Right? So Paul had to discipline his body. How did he do that? By the self-control that the Holy Spirit produced in him. How did he do it? He said, I, the real me, the spirit man me, brings under subjection the body me, the flesh me. So the Holy Spirit in our spirit gives us the power of self-control. And so there's a couple of areas that we look at the scripture where it really talks to us about self-control. And if we're not aware, the reason we're talking about this is the spirit within. If we're not aware of it, we just read and all of a sudden your mind will click over into works and say, I can't do that. And if I try to do it in my own strength, then it's just works. But the Bible tells us really what we're supposed to do. So we have to have self-control in our thought life. Turn over to 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty uh, in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the disobedience of Christ. Who's bringing every thought into captivity? We are who's casting down every thought and every imagination. We are. We're called to do that. Because if we don't cast them down, they will rise up and exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And so in our thought life, so many times we have thoughts that aren't anywhere close to the word of God. And we're just letting those thoughts just run and run and run and run. And then we're thinking, you stop thinking about that. Well, I can't stop. I, I can't. This is where it's, it's time to allow the Holy Spirit to develop self-control. So those things that keep you up at night that you can't stop thinking about, you yield to the Holy Spirit and he empowers you to stop thinking about it. But it's actually going to take some attention to the Holy Spirit within and some practice, if you'll allow me that, of working with him. 
So often we get out of self-control because right from the beginning, when, you know, when we're growing up, we get to say whatever we want to say. We eat whatever we want to eat. We do whatever we want to do. And if we don't, we get mad about it. And we're just developing a course of what I want. I want me, 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 my, my, my. And then when we get old and it's not working for us, we're wondering, well, I can't help it. Well, because you have a a habit of me, 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 my, 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 whatever I want to do, whatever I want to eat, whatever I want to say, whatever I want to do, because that's the old nature. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, he said, now there's a new life and a different way than we've been doing it, a different thought process, a different action process, a different word process, because there's a different heart. All right, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1 says, If that you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Anybody raised with Christ? We looked at that this morning. When he was raised, his body was raised with him. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Who's supposed to set their mind? We are. If you've been raised with Christ, then you and I are supposed to set our mind on things above. So somebody might say, well, does that mean I don't think about going to work tomorrow? No. But you go to God. And and if your mind is on him when you go to work tomorrow, your mind is on how you're conducting your life with him, not apart from him. But we have to set our mind on things above. Turn over to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 1, it says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man or, or, or a complete, mature, able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and, and we turn their whole body. Look also at the ships, although they are so large and are driven by a fierce winds, they are turned by the very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a, a forest a little fire kindles. The tongue is a a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set in the members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man, somebody say no no man, no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So without the Holy Spirit, you can't tame your tongue. But because of the fruit of self-control, you can. I can. And it's so important to tame the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. If you say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you say, you'll have what you say. So the direction of our tongue is so important, but he says a man himself cannot tame the tongue, so the Holy Spirit, the fruit of self-control, helps a man, helps a woman tame the tongue. So we don't just say what we need to say. Turn over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, 
verse 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Who's going to present their bodies to God? He said, I beseech you to present your body. Well, your body doesn't want to be sacrificed to God. Most people can't even get their body to church, <laughs> let alone. But see, let's just back up so, you know, I'm not trying to just be a smart aleck. The reason is, is not because people don't necessarily want to. They don't know they have control. When they wake up in the morning and their flesh goes, eh, we're not going to church today. They don't know they have control over that. They just yield to that desire. But then again, when God says, would you get up and do this? Eh, we don't feel like it. So there's a process, and there's things that are connected that we don't think are connected, but God does. How do we, as Paul said, how do we, from the Spirit, take control of our body and the things that our body desires to do? Has anybody here struggled with it? Maybe I'm the only one. Right? All right, about half of us. The rest of you, praise the Lord. I should have... <laughs> I should have had you teach tonight. <laughs> I really believe that people uh, all over the world, Christians, are struggling with the fact and, not, and confused. I can't help it. It's just the way I am. But they haven't really, and they'll say they're born again, new creation. But they're not looking at the new creation. They keep looking at the old man and saying, I can't change. And you can't without understanding how to give attention to the Holy Spirit. And then he breaks every bondage. But he doesn't just do it without you. The anointing will come and break yokes of bondage, but then you have to live it out, or the enemy will draw you back in somewhere else. We live it out through self-control, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. All right, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. So if we're going to live this very life that God's called us to live, and we're going to really live it in this holiness and purity that God called us to, it's going to be up to us in this self-control. So 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 20, he said, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter. If anyone cleanses himself from the things of dishonor or dishonorable things. If anyone cleanses himself. Well, I thought the blood of Jesus cleansed me. It did in, in positionally in what Jesus did, but for you to walk in sanctification, you're going to have to do something. Well, how am I going to do that? With the help of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God. He said, so he'll be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Speaking to the person, you, you and I, have to flee also youthful lusts or desires and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. He's talking to us. Well, how do I do that? I read that. Well, if you just try to do this in your own strength, you'll fall into the works of the flesh and you'll fall short but with the power of the Holy Spirit, it begins to just be 
rational. It seems to make sense when it's uh, brought forth by the Holy Spirit of God. Well, how in the world am I ever going to do that? How in the world are we going to live that way? Nobody really lives that way except for Jesus. Oh, yeah, people do. And if Jesus did, then he empowered us to. But if we don't want to, you don't have to. But if you want to, but you're finding it difficult to, then to understand it's yielding to the lordship of the Holy Spirit in your spirit, and he'll begin to do the work. And we cooperate with him, and it'll be easy to say no, because you'll hear that no so clear on the inside of you that it'll just come out, no. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. First John says if we have even a hope of being like him, we purify ourselves even as he's pure. So if you just take that, you go, well, that's a work of the flesh. No, he's not talking about that. He's talking to believers who have the Spirit of God living on the inside of them and now know who they really are, born again, human spirit. The real them is the spirit man and the Holy Spirit in their spirit. So the real them takes a hold of their soul and their body and begins to reign over that, bringing self-control in those areas. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to close here with these two scriptures. Are you all getting anything out of this? Praise the Lord. It'll take some time in prayer. It'll take some attention. It'll take some praying in the Holy Ghost. But I believe God will begin to reveal to us. And if your desire is to overcome your desires, (laughs) if you say today, this is how I want to live like, like I was born again to live, but I've struggled with it. We've looked at joy and peace and all that. Yeah, that's all great. But we don't know how to bring it about. We don't know how to control some of these things. It's not about human control. It's about a fruit of the Spirit. That we have the the ability to say no to desires that aren't right and don't come from God. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 17 Paul says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened and being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So this is why they're just moving around, dictated to by every whim of the day, just like he said earlier. But uh, he said, being past feelings, they've given themselves over to lewdness to work uncleanness with greediness. In other words, they can't help it. They just, I don't know what to do. I can't control myself. I just give myself over to this stuff. He said, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus Christ, that you, somebody say me, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you, somebody say me, me, put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So it's up to us. You say, well, that's just work of the flesh, that we're not under works. No, he says that you do it, but not of a work of your own old man and the fleshly desires but a working of the Holy Spirit in your spirit. Colossians chapter 3. All right, we're closing with this one. (laughs) Colossians chapter 3. 
Hallelujah. He says, therefore, verse 5, therefore, in other words, if you were raised with Christ, you're seeking those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, right? You're setting your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. He said, therefore, uh, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now, you yourselves, say me, myself, are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. He said, listen, this new man is in the very image of him who created him. Newness of life. He goes on, he says, therefore, as the elect of God, verse 12, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You also must do. Well, I can't do that. I just can't forgive them. Why not? I just can't. I have no control over that. I just can't. Well, you might not, but the Holy Spirit does. And it's for your benefit and for your good. Praise the Lord. Galatians. This isn't really one of the scriptures. This is just closing. I forgot about this one. This is just tying it all together with our scripture. All right. So he, uh, he finishes with all of this self-control. He said, against such there is no law. Verse 24, this would be us. If we followed our train of thought here, and those who are Christ, how many of you are Christ? How many of you belong to him? All right, then it's talking to us. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Well, how do we do that? By that fruit of the spirit that is self-control. In other words, the, this, our, the strength of our inward man, empowered by the Holy Spirit, said the old man's dead. And all the works of the old man are put aside. And by the power of the Holy Spirit in me, bringing forth this newness of life, love and joy and peace and goodness, I'm going to allow him to bring them forth in my life. And as he's Lord and instructs me, I'm going to allow him to bring forth the freedom to be everything that God's called me to be. Because when I look in the face of what the Holy Spirit's doing, I don't see bondage and works, but I see freedom to become the new creation that God created me to be. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. God, we're so thankful for the blood of the Lamb. For without the blood of Jesus, we'd have no hope. But because of the blood that you shed, your death, your burial, and resurrection, our faith in that, our making you Lord, has allowed the Holy Spirit to come into our spirit, that old things have truly passed away. Behold, everything has become new in our inner man, and everything in our spirit man is of you because you reconciled us to yourself. Holy Spirit, take this word, make it life to us, make it alive to us, I pray, that every person would have an encounter here. 
I pray that by your grace, you deal with each one of our want to's. That the next time the enemy comes and says, no, that's not the way you do it. You don't want to do that the way God wants you to do that. We'll listen down on the inside. And we'll allow the Holy Spirit through that fruit of self-control to cause us to rise up and through that say no to the old man and yes to the things of God. That we might begin to, like never before, experience the transformation from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. Thank you for that. Thank you for dealing with each one. Thank you for changing our life. Thank you for strengthening us in the inner man. Strengthening. God, those who have felt weak in that, I thank you right now. You're strengthening them. Building faith as they've heard this word, that, they're, that they, they've heard it, that you're building faith on the inside of them to rely upon the Holy Spirit and things that they've been bound to, they begin to rise up and say no. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, what they thought they had no control over, they draw, they break the bondage of and begin to say yes to you, releasing them from bondages of the past. Build it up, draw it in them. We truly become the new creation that you've called us to be. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Don't forget next week, uh, Harry Wilson will be with us, uh, missionary to Guatemala. You don't want to miss that next Sunday night. Uh, he'll be with us. That'll be a great time. Praise the Lord. Say this we go. What God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.